This episode of the Orthobullets podcast will go over the topic of giant cell tumor from the pathology section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Giant cell tumors are benign, aggressive tumors typically found in the epiphysis of long bones, most commonly at the distal femur and proximal tibia. Patients typically present between ages 30 and 50 with insidious onset of pain of the involved extremity with activity at night or at rest. Diagnosis is made with a biopsy showing mononuclear stromal cells that resemble interstitial fibroblasts with numerous giant cells dispersed throughout. Treatment is generally curatage, adjuvant treatment, and reconstruction as necessary depending on the location of the lesion. Now let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, the incidence of giant cell tumor is 1.7 per million people. In terms of demographics, giant cell tumor is more common in females, unlike most bone tumors which show a male predominance. Giant cell tumor is typically seen in ages 30 to 50. As far as anatomic location, giant cell tumor is most commonly seen in the distal femur, then the proximal tibia, then the distal radius, and finally the sacral ala. 50% of giant cell tumors occur around the knee, which is defined as the distal femur or the proximal tibia. 10% occur in the sacrum and the vertebra, and know that the sacral ala is the most common site in the axial skeleton. In the spine, giant cell tumor usually occurs in the vertebral body. Know that the phalanges of the hand is also a very common location, and giant cell tumor may arise in the apophysis like a chondroblastoma. Moving on to the etiology of giant cell tumor, as far as genetic mutations, know that metastatic lesions are often noted to have alterations in the CMYK oncogene, or P53. Associated conditions with giant cell tumor include malignancy, specifically a primary malignant giant cell tumor or a secondary malignant giant cell tumor. Primary malignant giant cell tumor is metastatic to the lung in 2-4% of cases. Know that wrist and hand lesions have greater chance of metastasis. Secondary malignant giant cell tumor occurs following radiation or multiple resections of giant cell tumor. Moving on to the presentation of giant cell tumor, symptoms include pain and swelling. In terms of pain, insidious onset of pain can be seen in the involved extremity with activity at night or at rest. The pain is referable to the involved joint. There may be night pain, which is the result of tumor expansion, and patients may have difficulty ambulating. On physical exam, inspection and palpation may reveal a palpable mass, tenderness over the mass, and soft tissue swelling, and know that if there is a periarticular lesion, joint diffusion can be present. In terms of motion assessment, you may find decreased range of motion in these patients around the affected joint. The gait in these patients can be antalgic. Moving on to imaging, recommended views for radiographs include the extremity involved as well as a chest x-ray to evaluate for lung metastasis. Findings include eccentric lytic epiphyseal metaphyseal lesions that often extends into the distal epiphysis and borders subchondral bone. Know that a quote-unquote neocortex is characteristic of benign aggressive lesions and not unique to giant cell tumors. Moving on to a CT scan, recommended views include a chest CT to evaluate for pulmonary metastasis, which occurs in 1-6% to of cases of giant cell tumor. In terms of findings, lung metastases are usually benign and is histologically similar to the primary bone tumor. An MRI can be indicated to evaluate for the extent of the giant cell tumor lesion. Findings include tumor blushing, cystic degeneration, and know that these lesions show clear demarcation on a T1 image between fatty marrow and tumor. These lesions are dark on T1, bright on T2, and avid on gadolinium-enhanced images. Finally, bone scan findings can be variable. Moving on to other studies in the workup of giant cell tumor, 
let's talk about histology. So characteristic cells include a type 1 cell, a type 2 cell, and a type 3 cell. A type 1 cell is a mononuclear stromal cell that resembles interstitial fibroblasts. This is the neoplastic slash tumor cell and has features of mesenchymal stem cells. A type 2 cell is from a monocyte slash macrophage family recruited from the peripheral blood and are precursors of giant cells. Finally, in terms of type 3 cells, know that numerous giant cells are the hallmark of a giant cell tumor. Know that the nuclei of a giant cell appears the same as stromal cells, and these lesions may have multiple nuclei, that is up to 50 per cell. Know that type 3 cells have similar characteristics as osteoclasts and resorb bone. They have the same enzymes like tartrate-resistant acid phosphatase, carbonic anhydrase 2, cathepsin K, and vacuolar ATPase. As far as other characteristic cells that may appear on histology, know that secondary aneurysmal bone cyst or ABC degeneration is not uncommon. In terms of molecular biology, know that type 2 and 3 cells have IGF-1 and IGF-2 activity. 80% of patients with giant cell tumor have telomeric associations or TAS abnormality in half the cells. Finally, remember that the rank pathway is the most important and denosumab acts on this pathway. The differential diagnosis for giant cell tumor includes brown tumor of hyperparathyroidism, chondroblastoma, osteosarcoma, and a chordoma. So starting with brown tumor of hyperparathyroidism, this can look like giant cell tumor on radiographs, except it occurs as multiple lesions and is associated with serum calcium level abnormalities. Moving on to chondroblastoma, this tumor has an epiphyseal location, may also demonstrate ABC or aneurysmal bone cyst formation, it has extensive surrounding soft tissue and marrow edema, and may have a sclerotic margin and central calcification of chondroid matrix in a quote-unquote ring and arcs pattern. Moving on to osteosarcoma, the specific types of osteosarcoma on the differential diagnosis for giant cell tumor include a telangiectatic osteosarcoma, giant cell-rich osteosarcoma, and a fibroblastic osteosarcoma. Finally, a chordoma mimics giant cell tumor of the sacrum and occurs in the midline. To quickly go over the differential diagnosis of giant cell tumor in terms of epiphyseal lesion location and treatment, we know that giant cell tumor has an epiphyseal lesion and treatment is usually curatage and bone grafting. Chondroblastoma also has an epiphyseal lesion and treatment is also usually curatage and bone grafting. An aneurysmal bone cyst will not typically have an epiphyseal lesion, however the treatment is usually curatage and bone grafting. An osteoblastoma and a chondromyoid fibroma or CMF are both not epiphyseal lesions, however treatment is usually curatage and bone grafting for both of these diagnoses. Now let's talk about the treatment of giant cell tumor, which can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes radiation therapy, which is only indicated for inoperable or multiply recurrent lesions. For example, sacral lesions and large vertebral body lesions that are not amenable to surgery. As far as outcomes of radiation therapy, know that this leads to 15% malignant transformation. Moving on to medical management, which is another non-operative modality, medications include denosumab and bisphosphonates, and this is indicated to stabilize lesions, as well as augment or replace surgical management depending on the specific clinical scenario. In terms of outcomes, an excellent response has been seen with denosumab with 85-90% to destruction of giant cells. Know that post-surgical treatment with diphosphonate has shown to lower recurrence rates by 25-30%. to Moving on to operative options, extensive curatage, adjuvant treatment, and reconstruction is indicated for lesions amenable to curatage, the majority of lower extremity lesions, and know that hand lesion treatment is most controversial. 
Moving on to outcomes, there's a 20 to 40% recurrence with curatage and bone grafting alone versus 3 to 10% with addition of adjuvant treatment like phenol, hydrogen peroxide, cryotherapy, argon beam, and a high-speed burr. Moving on to complete resection and reconstruction, this is indicated when curatage is not possible due to structural compromise. For example, with extensive involvement of the vertebral body, complete on-block spondylectomy may be required. As far as outcomes of complete resection and reconstruction, know that the 10-year disease-free survival rates after total on-block spondylectomy for giant cell tumor is reported to be 100% in some studies. Finally, amputation can be indicated for hand lesions with cortical breakthrough who are not amenable to intercalary resection. As far as outcomes, amputation has the lowest incidence of recurrence of giant cell tumor. Now, let's talk about some of these management modalities in a bit more detail. So radiation therapy will use the technique of external beam radiation. As far as medical management, bisphosphonates are osteoclast inhibitors which may decrease the size of the defect in giant cell tumors and help prevent post-surgical recurrence. Denosumab is a monoclonal antibody against rank ligand. Note that recent clinical trials suggest denosumab can decrease the size of the bone defect in giant cell tumor, with 85 to 90% tumor necrosis. Denosumab shows dramatic sclerosis and reconstitution of cortical bone after treatment. As far as bisphosphonate complications, the ones to know include esophagitis, gastritis, and know that long-term use can lead to atypical subtrochanteric femur fractures. In terms of denosumab complications, this treatment may cause nasopharyngitis and arthralgias. Contraindications include severe hypocalcemia. Finally, moving on to extensive curatage and adjuvant treatment as well as reconstruction, Starting with extensive curatage, as far as the technique, the challenge of treatment is to remove the lesion while preserving the joint and providing support to the subchondral joint. Know that extensive exterioration, which is removal of a large cortical window over the lesion, is required. Hand curatage is the most controversial. Know that if there's no cortical breakthrough, treat with curatage and cementing. However, if there's significant cortical breakthrough, consider intercalary resection with a free fibular graft versus amputation. Moving on to adjuvant treatment, the technique can involve phenol, liquid nitrogen, hydrogen peroxide, argon beam, or a high-speed burr, which can be effectively used in isolation or combination to reduce recurrence rates. Know that local recurrence rates with supplementation of ethanol and phenol are identical. A high-speed burr without any adjuvant has a recurrence rate of 12%. Complications of liquid nitrogen, aka cryotherapy, has been associated with an increased incidence of pathologic fracture and vascular injury. As far as the reconstruction technique, be sure to fill the lesion with bone cement or bone graft and supplement with internal fixation. Structural allograft, endoprosthetic implants, or a combination of the two for large lesions or in the setting of extensive bone destruction. Moving on to complete resection and reconstruction, the approach is based on the location in the spine, whether lumbar, thoracic, or cervical. An anterior, posterior, or combined approach can be used, and know that the anterior approach in the lumbar spine may be direct lateral, oblique lateral, or transparent kneel, depending on the specific level. In terms of the technique, this can be a single or two-stage procedure. The first stage would involve total vertebral spondylectomy, adjuvant treatment with the placement of a reconstruction expandable cage and anterior plating. Alternatively, you can use bone cement in lieu of a structural cage. This may require nerve root resection based on the spinal level and involvement of nerve roots within the tumor. The second stage would involve bilateral laminectomy and excision of the remaining soft tissues following posterior instrumentation. Finally, moving on to amputation, the technique will involve resection of phalangeal or metacarpal lesions with ray transfer or allograft reconstruction.
Now let's talk about some complications, and the ones to know include malignant transformation to high-grade sarcoma, secondary aneurysmal bone cyst, or ABC, recurrence, and pathologic fracture. So malignant transformation to high-grade sarcoma is very rare, with a less than 1% prevalence. Latency is typically 9 years from the previous radiation treatment and 19 years from spontaneous transformation. Treatment of malignant transformation to a high-grade sarcoma includes surgical resection of the metastatic lesions, interferon treatment, and radiation. A secondary aneurysmal bone cyst, or ABC, has an incidence between 10 to 14%, and you can differentiate a secondary ABC from a primary ABC because of an enhancing soft tissue component in giant cell tumor, which is not present in primary aneurysmal bone cyst. Moving on to recurrence, know that local occurrence occurs in 20% of cases, and this is diagnosed with a CT-guided biopsy. Risk factors of recurrence include not using adjuvant treatment during surgery. Finally, moving on to pathologic fracture, risk factors include periarticular lesions and using cryotherapy as an adjuvant. Finally, let's end this review session talking about the prognosis of giant cell tumor. Know that the risk of malignancy is less than 5%. Metastatic giant cell tumor has a 5-year, 76% disease-free survival rate and a 17% mortality rate. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Treatment of giant cell tumor of bone can include a monoclonal antibody directed at what? And the choices are 1. Receptor activator of nuclear factor kappa B. 2. Tumor necrosis factor alpha. 3. CD20. 4. Human epidermal growth factor receptor 2. And 5. Receptor activator of nuclear factor kappa B ligand. The correct answer to this question is 5. Receptor activator of nuclear factor kappa B ligand. So denosumab is a monoclonal antibody against receptor activator of nuclear factor kappa B ligand used in the treatment of giant cell tumor of bone. To quickly review, giant cell tumors account for 5% of all bone tumors and typically present in the third decade of life. Typically, they occur around the knee, that is the distal femur and proximal tibia, but also are commonly seen in the distal radius and the sacrum. The rank L molecular pathways implicated in the pathogenesis of giant cell tumor where osteoclast-like giant cells express high levels of rank and drive osteolysis. Denosumab is a monoclonal antibody designed to bind rank L, therefore preventing the binding to rank and activation of these osteoclast-like giant cells. Singh et al. review the current treatment options for giant cell tumors and the role of denosumab in treatment. The mainstay of treatment has been excision but can be limited in areas such as the pelvis and spine. Denosumab treatment in giant cell tumor patients can reduce the stromal cell and giant cell density, decrease the chance of progression, and decrease tumor metabolic activity on FDG PET scan. Savadao et al. review the current uses of denosumab in primary bone tumors. They break down its effect on the RANK-L RANK-OPG pathway where it binds RANK-L and inhibits osteoclast activation. In giant cell tumors, denosumab can decrease tumor size and help provide a peripheral margin for excision. Further discussion in the paper is over the possible use of denosumab in the treatments of multiple myeloma, aneurysmal bone cysts, and osteosarcoma. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, rank L is the target of denosumab, not the receptor itself. Answer 2, TNF-alpha monoclonal antibodies include adalibumab and infliximab and are often used in the treatment of rheumatologic diseases. 
Answer 3, CD20, is incorrect, as this is found on B cells and is the target of rituximab, which is used in the treatment of B cell-mediated diseases including non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and CLL. Finally, answer 4, human epidermal growth factor, receptor 2, is incorrect, as HER2-NU is the target of trastuzumab and is used in the treatment of breast cancer. And moving on to the final question, Giant cell tumor of bone is most commonly found in the following locations as listed from most to least common. And the choices are 1, distal femur, proximal tibia, distal radius, and sacral ala. 2, proximal tibia, distal radius, distal femur, and phalanges. 3, distal femur, distal radius, sacral ala, and proximal tibia. 4, distal radius, distal femur, proximal tibia, and phalanges and five, proximal tibia, proximal humerus, distal femur, and distal radius. The correct answer to this question is one, distal femur, proximal tibia, distal radius, and sacral ala. So the most common sites of giant cell tumors in bone are distal femur, then proximal tibia, then distal radius, then sacral ala. Giant cell tumor of bone is a benign, aggressive tumor typically found in the epiphysis of long bones. 50% of tumors occur around the knee, that is the distal femur or the proximal tibia. Giant cell tumor of bone is characterized by proliferation of mononuclear stromal cells and the presence of multinucleated giant cells with homogeneous distribution. Treatment typically involves intralesional curatage with adjuvant treatment, for example, phenol, hydrogen peroxide, argon beam, etc. Becker et al. looked at the use of adjuvants after curatage in the treatment of giant cell tumor of bone. They found that polymethylmethacrylate as an adjuvant significantly reduced the recurrence rate following intralesional treatment of benign giant cell tumors compared to no adjunct treatment, that is 22% versus 49% respectively. Williams et al. undertook a prospective study to evaluate the recurrence rate of giant cell tumors of the hand, and they found that soft tissue extension of the tumor significantly increased the rate of local recurrence. This finding is significant because multiple previous studies have demonstrated similar higher recurrence rates for giant cell tumors with soft tissue extension in other areas like around the knee and the distal radius. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, all of the other answers include structures that may be involved with giant cell tumor of the bone. However, the two most commonly affected areas are the distal femur and the proximal tibia with an incidence of approximately 50% of cases. Other common locations in the extremities are the proximal humerus, distal radius, and phalanges. The sacrum is the most common site in the axial skeleton. That's all for this review about giant cell tumor. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.